welcome to the Enneagram One Project Podcast with your host, Dominic Vandal, where ones come to learn mindset tools and embodiment techniques to reduce frustrations, quiet their inner critic, and live a most expansive life. If you're ready to make your unique oneness your superpower, then this is the show for you. Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Enneagram One Project Podcast, Episode 12, Your Best Decisions Start Now. You might be shocked to find out that I won't be giving you a framework for making decisions because here's what I think is true. There is no right or wrong way to make a decision. You want to make a pros and cons list? Do that. You want to make a decision matrix? Awesome. You want to collect all of the data and graph it? Sounds like a plan. Yes, yes, I do have a few tools that I've blended together from various trainings that support my decision making. And I can make a whole episode on those in the future if that's what you like. So let me know over on Instagram at Dominic Vandal and I'll make an episode later on that. But honestly, frameworks, they're useless without the foundation we'll talk about today. What keeps you from making decisions is not the lack of frameworks. You are a perfectionist. You are Enneagram type ones. We invented structure. What keeps you from making decisions is the story you have about decision making. That includes future casting, referring to your past, and the weight you attribute to the decision. That is why the most important thing you can do for yourself is uncovering your decision making story or stories. I'll guide you to do just that this week. And as usual, if you want to look at the topic in more depth and ask me questions or get coaching on it, you can join the Enneagram One Project Facebook group, where I often add these mini trainings on the topics discussed on the podcast. So the first part of the story we carry about decision making is from the imagination. What do you think is on the other side of making that decision? Let's say that you're a coach and that you want to make a decision about who you want to coach. First decision, right? But can't find a way to make that final decision. What do you think will happen afterwards? You'll actually have to start making offers. And people will say no. And that feels terrible. So staying in decision-making mode is safer. Have you ever wanted to, say, take a cooking class or any other class? You look at the program, it seems perfect. You look at the price, it's in your price point. Everything makes it an easy yes. You probably even did some kind of pros and cons list. And it's clearly leaning on the pros side of things. But you still can't make the decision. Next time this happens, ask yourself, what am I worried will happen? after I sign up. If the answer isn't obvious, start imagining going to class. For me, it's always the same worry. So I'll share it with you. See if that brings anything up for you. I'm afraid I'll look like a fool in class. That stops me in my tracks. Not being the good student that's always at least one step ahead and understands perfectly is terrifying for me. I'll keep flip-flopping between really wanting to go to that class and coming up with really good 
aspects that I need to keep looking up and making sure everything's okay before I sign up because staying undecided and in research mode is easy. My brain is doing this thing. It's future casting. The pros and cons framework in itself is not enough for me to not have the story about me making this particular decision. That's what's really in the way. Not not having the perfect decision-making method. It's the story. The future casting that your brain is doing is normal. It's looking for potential danger, but it's also keeping you where it's safe. Possibly uncomfortable, possibly unpleasant, but safe. Great news. Stories can be changed. And we'll talk about that at the end of today's episode. But let's talk about the other part of the story. And that's the history you have with decision making. There's really two parts to this. So let's take it slow. The first part is the actual consequence of past decisions. And I say consequence, but really it could be good or bad. Just whatever happened after you made the decision. And the second is the history of how you've treated yourself in the past for those consequences. Say you are making a decision about buying a piece of furniture. No big deal, right? Easy search, find something you like, maybe do a little comparing for price and all of that, and then make a decision. What if you've purchased a lot of furniture in the past that you've not liked and regret purchasing? Does that change the ease of making that decision a little? What if you not only regretted buying that furniture, but, but you also blamed yourself for accruing more debt? Ouch. I can see how difficult it would be to make a final call on any furniture now based on what you think of your furniture buying history. You make it mean that you make horrible choices and you treat yourself poorly because you think you should know better. The perfect spouse, the perfect adult would not ever have made those purchases. I'm exaggerating a little, but that was me for a while. See, I had wanted to homeschool our children. And so we bought all of these shelves and had it all set up. It was an expense to get it all set up and also get all the Montessori activities because that's how we were going to do it. Nothing less. We didn't homeschool our kids. I made it mean I make terrible purchasing decisions, and then I blamed myself. For a long time, I blamed myself for what it cost our family. I didn't even realize I was carrying all of this baggage until I started shopping for a new dining table. The history you have with decision-making is important to know. And yes, it can be about anything, not just purchasing decisions. It can be about decisions with your money, with your relationships, with the upbringing of your kids, with anything. The good thing about the history you have with decision-making is that it's all judgments. And judgments are a complete fabrication. None of it is factual. Let me say that again differently. You don't have to hold on to that story. There's no history police that's going to come and tell you you're wrong if you change how you see the past. I was able to do 
just that with the shelves in the Montessori activities. For one, we have used those shelves everywhere in our home now. They currently reside in a mudroom closet as an extra pantry and in our kids' closets to organize their clothes. Yes, I didn't do with them what I thought I'd do with them, but I've been resourceful in how I use them over and over again in different spaces over the years. When I focus on that, I think I'm very good at making purchasing decisions. Not only am I good at making the decisions, but I'm also good at adjusting afterwards with whatever happens, those consequences. I invite you to do the same. What's the upside of a part of a past decision you've been carried guilt about? Can you slowly get to a place where you can let go at least some of the story that is holding you back today? We have these two extremes where the brain is looking to the past to hold you back now from making decisions, or it's looking to the future in both instances, creating monsters where they don't exist, seeing things as threats when they're not happening right now in this moment. This leads me to the last part of the story you have about making decisions. And it's the overall weight you give this particular decision. Many of us perfectionists are prone to all or nothing thinking. How often do you capture yourself using words like always and never? It can be sneakier than that too. For instance, I've noticed myself thinking, everything will change after this. And there's no going back. Very dramatic, of course. Is that ever really true? Better yet, isn't that always true? Yes, I did use the word always, I'm aware. But what I mean is everything is always changing. This is no exception. You can never go back in time. Making this decision won't change that. So I'm using something factual that you can never go back, that things are always different a moment after it's happened, as though that should stop me from making a decision. The other way I've seen this with myself and my clients is this idea that this will have to be the decision that you make about that thing and that you can never change it. I have lifted the weight of many decisions by simply adding for now at the end of my decision or beginning. I am choosing to do it this way for now. Whew. That opens things up. It's no longer the most serious thing in the world. For now, I am choosing to eat less meat, less dairy, whatever. For now, I am choosing to take walks before I pick up my kids from school. Not saying I'm doing any of those things, but it's much easier to make the decision and follow through when I sit in the truth that I can reassess whenever I want. So what can you possibly make a decision mean? And how could that be in your way of making a decision? I want you to think about a decision you are currently trying to make. What are some of the thoughts that follow along in your brain when you just bring it up in top of mind? There's a right decision to make. There's a decision that's better for everyone. If I go in one direction, I'm being selfish. If I go in another direction, 
I'm not decisive enough. The list could go on, of course. A decision in and of itself is none of those things. Those are all appraisals that I can choose to make and then carry about that decision. If I'm trying to make a decision about rescuing an animal, let's say, and I make the decision mean there's a right way to make this decision, but I've never rescued an animal before, that's going to send me into research mode. And I'll research forever and probably never actually do it. Not because there was ever a right way to rescue an animal, but because I was sold on the idea that there was. That's my story. When I think that there is, and remember, I've never done it before, I'm likely to feel confused. And then that drives action, but not the action of making a decision. Confused, for me, drives the action of over-researching, ruminating on the topic, asking every single person I know what they would do, going down the rabbit hole of best practices. Because someone will always have an opinion of an even better way. With all of these actions, what I'm not doing is making a decision. I'm looping and no animal gets rescued because I never made the decision. Not because it wasn't possible to make a decision, but because I made the decision mean that there's a right way to rescue an animal. But I didn't know how. You might make a decision mean that people will actually see that you aren't always the good perfectionist. That's one to stop us in our tracks, isn't it? If I know my decision would expose something to the world, that I'm not prepared for others to see, I would sit in indecision and not act on my decision. No matrix or decision-making structure will ever be good enough to make me make a decision if this is my story about a particular decision. So now that you know that it's all about the story, what's keeping you from making a decision? Let's find out by uncovering your decision-making story. Today, we're really looking and focusing at the mindset around decision-making. So I'll offer some questions for you to consider to find out what your story is. And remember, that story really is coming from the mind. Once you know the story, you can actually poke holes in it and use whatever decision-making framework you're keen on. You'll have much fewer objections to making the actual decision. Here are the questions for you. Number one. What do I think will happen after I make the decision? Question two. What am I even slightly concerned about from what I think will happen after I make the decision? Number three. What is a past decision I feel icky about? Maybe guilty or responsible. Number four. What do I make that decision mean about myself? Number five, how have I been treating myself in regard to that decision? And number six, how can I make making this decision 
easier for myself. So once you've answered those questions, I want to offer you one last bit because this is where I think you'll be able to create that 1% shift that will bring you closer to how you do want to make your decisions by asking yourself the following questions. What's a past decision I'm really proud of myself for having made? Now go ahead and ask yourself the same questions we did before, but with this decision in mind. What do you make it mean about you? How do you treat yourself about that decision that you're proud of? Now, consider that at least part of that story that you have about the decision that you're proud of can also be part of the story with the decision that you weren't so pleased with. What this does is it starts to dismantle your story that holds you back and at the same time builds confidence in your decision making, right, from the one that you're proud of. You are free to use any framework you like to help you make decisions. Just make sure you do this work first. Or if you notice that even with the structures in place, you find yourself indecisive or stuck, do this inquiry. There's no right or wrong way to make a decision, but there's always a way to make it easier or harder for yourself based on the story that you have about your decision making. Now go ahead, go make all those decisions that are just kind of sitting there for you. Until next time, love to each and every one. Thank you so much for listening to the Enneagram One Project Podcast, your go-to podcast for all things one. Now, if you're wanting to integrate what you're learning here and be supported by your very own personal Enneagram One Life Coach, then I invite you to head over to my website, dominicvandal.com, D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-V-A-N-D-A-L. Look at the very top of the page for the Work With Me tab. I'd love to be the one in your corner, helping you to navigate your oneness. Let's make it your superpower. 